Welcome back, everyone, to the Horror Shed Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jared. Down here, we have the one and only South Jersey Jason. How we doing today, sir? Doing good. It's Friday night. It's thunderstorming. We're going to talk about the Amityville murders, which is awesome. I think that the thunderstorm, I think it, I don't know. I think it, uh, the guy above was like, you know what? Let's add some ambiance to the story. I tonight. like the ambiance. Come on, bring it over here. <laughs> bring it over here. So you're back in the good old Jersey. You were down south for a couple of days, and I heard it was a little hot there. Uh, More than a little. Yeah. When you get in the car and it says 109, Ew. and it takes the car like 45 minutes to get cool. Oh. Mm-hmm. But you did bring home some good spicy ketchup. Well, I though, did. Right? That Whataburger for you guys out there in the Texas area. I'm a huge Whataburger fan, and I could get it here through Amazon, but they mm-hmm. want twenty five dollars for three bottles of ketchup. Damn, I'm no son. So yeah. I grabbed two of the giant jugs for eight bucks, snug them in my book bag or my fucking suitcase, and luckily they didn't explode. I had some. Well, that's tonight. good. They they survived the uh the the plane ride, and I'm dying to take. You know, a little dab tomorrow, see what it tastes like. Oh, we got got shit going on tomorrow, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Well, the cat's out of the bag now, I guess. Might as well go for it. Talk about it. Uh, So, yeah, uh, as we all know, there's a Friday 13th in October, and I was invited to go to Night of Terror in in New Jersey, Creamy Acres, uh, to be like a special guest on Friday 13th. And not only is it Friday 13th, it's like National horror house day or something haunted house like day that. national haunted, haunted house, house day. day yeah yeah which is that's pretty cool so it's going to be a fun-filled friday 13th i'm gonna start my day out at the blairstown museum and then drive two and a half hours you mean the blairstown diner oh oh god the blairs the museum's on my mind and i'll talk about that in a second be yeah, at the blairstown diner uh and then i'll drive two and a half hours or so uh, uh south to go to mullica hill and you know, it's it'll be cool. I guess I haven't been to Creamy Acres since uh, probably, gosh, before the pandemic, so 2019. So it'll be nice to kind of be back in my my neck of the woods. But yeah, so the Blairstown Museum is no more. Oh. Uh, it's now uh, Village Sundays has taken over the spot, um, the whole building. So you still go in on the left hand side is like the the Ice cream. cafe part of it yeah. ice cream part where you get your ice cream and on the right hand side i think they made it like a sit down area like a little diner huh. but there is a gift shop and they do have local artists making some friday the 13th um stuff like their shirts and koozies and you know when i was there they hadn't fully opened it i was there like maybe three weeks ago um they had like maybe another week just to, to fine-tune some things but they had their gift shop going so i'm planning on going in a couple of weeks because i wanted to give them some memorabilia to put up in the um in their little uh dining area so uh yeah so friday 13th will be fun and you're gonna pencil yourself in to go tonight to yeah about 90 percent sure halloween haunts will be there that night you better be there i want 99.999 all right and I you got 99.999 and i want to scare terry and i know brian said i can't run around but i might just chase her he'll let you chase her that's fine <laughs> We can go over with that tomorrow because he will be in attendance. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited for that because I'm going to debut a new uh, costume that night. And uh, so that's that. And um, 
couple of horror things for me. I got the burning on 4K. I watched that this past weekend. And I have to say, um, the 4K really didn't ruin too much of Savini's special effects. Hmm. And that will be an upcoming episode that I'm going to do what the character Cropsy was based off of. So we'll do that in the upcoming weeks. And I watched a pretty decent movie on Peacock the other night with Stephen Dorff and um, Emil Hirsch. It was called, um, let me see. Darn it, I had it up and I should have kept it up. Uh, the Price We Pay. So it's came out in 2022. I think it was like a Peacock exclusive i don't it wasn't at the theaters or anything but it's hard uh, kind of hard to explain but there's a bank robbery that or not bank robbery there's a pawn pawn store heist that emil hirsch had planned but you don't know why that's like the one little plot hole you don't know why this pawn store like they hit this pawn store in particular and they took a they took a hostage. Car breaks down by a farm. Um, the grandson says you shouldn't be here, um, but you can stay at the one house. And the grandfather, if you remember, um, Commando, the guy that uh, played Benedict Arnold Schwarzenegger's nemesis, and he impales him with a pipe. Yeah, man. and he's like he's letting off steam. He was the grandfather. And they had the the grandson had an older sister. If you saw American Horror Story um, Carnival season, mm-hmm. um, Amazon Eve played the sister, and she was kind of cool looking. She kind of reminded me of like a quasi pseudo Leatherface, and it wasn't bad. You know, it was you know it was it wasn't bad. And Emil Hirsch was a douchebag, so you were happy when he got killed. <sighs> So, but that's really all I've done horror related. Um, yeah, I mean, I started like you know you said to start watching non horror. Um, on Disney, what's it called? Um, uh, Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Yeah. So I did start the second episode, but I only got like five minutes into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Motherfucker. Um. All right. So I watched the Pope's Exorcist. I liked it. I had a fun time with it. It's a cool story. I did fall asleep through like 20 minutes of it that I didn't go back to, but I was on a plane, so shit happens. Were there any snakes on the plane? No, no no motherfucking Uh, snakes uh. on the motherfucking plane. (laughs) No air conditioning on the motherfucking plane either. Mm. Yeah, I was dying. Oh, God. They're going to get a letter. Yeah. Um... Then I watched Secret Invasion. We, we're, me and the wife have been rewatching The Wire. I don't think I okay. ever saw it, and I'm enjoying the shit out of it. Yeah, I, I, my friend Jim like says it's like it's like one of his favorite shows, and I believe the guy that recently passed away that was in John Wick, um, was in The Wire. Oh, I, I watched John Wick four. Okay. Holy shit, man! Two and a half hours. Took me two or three watching you know, to finish it. We're going to start IVing you some coffee, man. Because we got <laughs> Oppenheimer coming out, and I don't want to sit here and wait three weeks for you to watch this fucking movie. Oh, well, I don't know. if I'll, I'll have to probably go by myself because Irene wouldn't go and see that. That comes out, like, what, next week, yeah. I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm excited as shit. Yeah. I, I, might go, I might go this Sunday after we do our filming locations. You're, oh, yeah, I'll probably go. If I do go, it'll be the last weekend of the month because Irene's going to be away. 
So maybe I'll maybe I'll do that. There so, you go. Um, yeah. Also, Howler's Hatchet House, Columbus, New Jersey. They have a GoFundMe. They got screwed over by the landlord. So um, I'm going to leave a link for that here. There's going to be a link on HalloweenHaunts365.com. There's going to be a link on the HorrorShedPodcast.com. Bet you guys forgot we have a website. I did it. <laughs> What's the name of it? Howler's Hatchet House. In Columbus, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, it's okay. the it's the guys that run Bloodshed Farms drive through haunt. Oh, okay, gotcha. And gotcha. Okay, basically, yeah. without telling them before leasing everything, they have to change a wall, a very big wall, mm. like a thirty five thousand dollar wall. Mm. Like they were ready to open, they had all the shit coming in, the permits and everything. Then this happened. So, and it's not just giving them money. There's awards attached to every amount that you give, like. We gave $50, so we're going to have a nice little Halloween haunts plaque on the wall. And then they have, like, group parties and everything if you paid so much. So oh, you like, so if I give them $50, I can get a plaque? Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess I have to stop Jersey Jason plaque on the wall. Then they give you a little note where you can write. So I wrote Halloween haunts 365. Jared and Terry, we love you guys. Nice. But yeah, guys, okay. you're not just sending people money. You get shit out of it. So... Like they have different price tiers and different gifts and everything, t-shirts, outings, and it's not just a hatchet house. Like it's fully interactive, so like you can play games while you're throwing axes. Like oh, that's there's, cool. it's a projected target, so you could do whatever you want there. And they also have a big uh, uh, board game area, so like you guys can come together, hang out at the hatchet house, play I don't know D and D or whatever the kids are playing these days. So it's not just a GoFundMe. You're actually paying towards something. So oh, definitely nice. check that out. I'm going to have the link in the uh, description below. Nice. Um, you know, I saw, speaking of, like, haunted attractions, like I'm looking on Bloody Disgusting, but uh, Mall of America opening a massive 45,000-square-foot haunted attraction this Halloween. Did you hear about that? Yeah, it's not that big. Oh, okay. I won't go over Like, 45,000, <laughs> it's a decent start, but... To call it massive, you'd have to like compete with like Field of Screams, Reaper's Revenge, like so. Uh, okay. It's going to be a nice size haul. It's probably about a half hour to walk through a forty-five thousand. But yeah, I um, guess the I guess the um, mall's that dead. Where the... <laughs> I mean, uh, it's the not the first mall to do it. We had ha oh okay. There's been a couple in Baltimore that have done it. Some real successful okay. ones. Oh, um, nice. and actually the haunt got so big they're not opening this year because they want to find a bigger space. Wow. Okay. Very so I mean, cool. like, just don't don't shit on haunts and malls i'm not shitting on this one oh but i'm yeah, just yeah. saying it's not as massive oh, i wasn't shitting on it no no i'm saying i'm not <laughs> uh, okay yeah but um, uh some haunt news hhn announced uh season four of stranger things so the best season we get to walk through which one was which one did i have to talk about i'm that the most recent season yeah oh oh okay gotcha yeah that's awesome so yeah. that's that's the last of us and then stranger things so two for that's two really i wonder if they'll have a guy in a vecna costume i'm sure they'll have plenty of guys yeah. in vecna costumes. yeah i want to yeah. watch a chick break in the air that's what i oh, would say that would be cool they'll probably get like a contortionist or something maybe or they might just make yeah. an animatronic that comes out of the wall raises um, up yeah, and snaps yeah. We'll say. Speaking of animatronics, you weren't too happy with the Tales from the Crypt from Spirit. Fuck that shit. <laughs> this is what happens when people that weren't old enough to watch the show designed this shit. It wasn't brown. It was never fucking brown. 
Not even in brown light was this thing brown. It's been gray my whole life. Like, I have a DVD. I can let you borrow it. He's gray. <laughs> Why is the fucking thing brown? <sighs> yeah, and um, who was it? Uh, Home Depot. They, uh, the, the skeletons. Dude. Did they you sold, see? like, they were $300, and they sold $3 million worth of it or something mm -hmm. like that. So I'm not sure. What's, what's the math? Was that 300 skeletons? No. 300 skeletons, I think they sold, like, as soon as they released it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the, well, it's either them or Lowe's is putting out a 12-foot Jack Skellington. I heard about that. That's going to that's gonna be the hot ticket. You're going to be able to find out. If you can buy one now, buy one now, because you yeah. will quadruple your price. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People mm -hmm. are going to spend five to ten grand for that thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not a Nightmare Before Christmas Me neither. I can't stand it. It's a Christmas movie. Does Terry watch it? Nah, she's not big into that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then speaking of like just Halloween stuff, um, they just announced us. Uh, um, was it Sleepy Hollow? The Tim Burton is coming out in 4K in September. Oh, cool. So I, I, I just reserved that. I love that movie. I've been watching forever, but freaking Christopher uh, Walken is the Headless Horseman. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then that was that. And who knows? Okay. So, you know, we got the uh, actors going on strike now. So <sighs> don't hold your breath for anything new for a while because the actors are giving it back to the studios, which I, I agree. You know, what the with the studios, with the head honchos making your millions and billions of dollars. And, you know, the, the, the SAG is important for, in my opinion, the smaller actors. Yeah. Cause they, they make dirt, they make dirt stuff. And now how they want to use AI for background actors, like, and then we'll give you one fee, but then we can use it for whatever we want. Like, no, you know? So like, there's plenty um, of money to spread around. Like, all these movies are getting made for fifty million, making three hundred million. I mean, there's plenty of fucking money to go around. You got to feed your actors, and I wonder what that's going to do for the convention circuit. I think you're going to so, get a lot of fucking names that weren't there before. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of that, so someone had asked me, are the actors are people going to be canceling? I said no. As long as they, I mean, if you have an actor that is has something coming out in say a year or two, they can't talk about that. They can only talk about what they've done in the past. So there won't be any cancellations. But yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll get a a Hugh Jackman in a convention. I don't know. But um, Comic-Con is going to be bare bones, which a lot of people are happy about. Like the diehard one fans who've been going for like ever because Comic-Con started out as a Comic-Con. Yeah. And then you mix Hollywood into it and it just takes away from the feel of it. So a lot of people are happy on that aspect. But I'm pissed off only because seeing those images of Deadpool three, uh -huh. you know, so that's gonna, uh, you know, uh, put that on hiatus. And of course, you know, I'm still waiting for the Crystal Lake show, and that's gonna be on a hiatus now. So yeah, not good. But you know, I, I I agree with the writers, and I agree with with the actors. And I did not know that Fran Drescher, aka the nanny, was the SAG president. All right. Yeah, I guess before her, it was Melissa Gilbert from Little House on the Prairie. Oh. So, all right. So, I think, did we get everything out of the way? I got nothing else. We've just been fucking around with this camera, and we'll yeah. have some footage coming yeah, we soon. we got a 4K camera now, so we're going to be coming in high. Well, 
we already come in high definition on these, but like the videos you make moving forward for like when you go to the haunts and or we do our filming locations. Yeah, baby. They're coming, you know? It's crystal clear, beautiful. Just got to work on the focus and we'll be good to go. Is that a motherfucking Christmas mug? National Lampoons. Jesus Christ. I couldn't find my Friday 13th was like all the way in the back and I didn't feel <laughs> like, uh, uh, you know, digging for it. All right. Well, let's get back into Abbeville. Yeah. We got an intro video. So let's play that now. This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation. First, this bulletin from the WOR newsroom. Six members of one family have been found shot to death in their night clothes in their expensive home in Amityville, Long Island. The only available information at this moment, according to the Amityville Village Police, is that the, mem the victims have been identified as members of the DeFeo family. They were found by a 23-year-old son, Ronald DeFeo, who is believed to be the only surviving member of the family. Six members of the family found shot to death in their home in Amityville, Long Island. We will have further details on the 11 o'clock news. All right. So I, I, I love those. Uh, oh, we got Shell Bell Donna. What up? Got the audio off, so I she's, can't uh, hear she's you. She's at Penhurst. <laughs> ah, have fun at Penhurst, lady. She's always out and about. Yeah, she loves um, Penhurst. I want that. I want that uh, lifestyle. <laughs> I've never, I've never been to Penhurst. I want to go there for the historical tour. There you go. So I love those old news, like breaking news. Yeah. You know, those, like you know, when you, like JFK and stuff like that. I love those. So um, yeah, I, we're finally talking. We're talking Amityville, and before people start talking. Yes, that was seen on another YouTube video, but Halloween Haunts 365 had the video up two years prior to those other people's video. So I had it first. All right. What other? Well, Is that it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Doesn't gotcha. Matter. Well, it's new to me. Yeah. So now, I'll, I'll explain after, but I'm not mentioning names. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah. So for the listeners, we're breaking it up into two parts. We're going to talk about the murders first. Which I find more fascinating Me than too. the actual horror. Which is why I want to tell all of you, at the end of this episode, we're going to ask a bunch of questions. We're not going to answer them until next week. As much as I fucking just want to go through this, we're not, we want to see what you guys think. So we want to hear your questions, comments. Maybe we're dead fucking wrong. Maybe you believe something else. That's fine. I want to see it all. I don't care where you comment. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube fucking write us a letter email i don't care emails the hardship podcast at gmail.com but i think if we do that it'll be more interactive so everybody you're gonna have a week to get that shit in there <laughs> all right amityville the warren's biggest case one of the biggest paranormal cases in history and one of the worst murders in history so i don't have the bullshit meter up for this because this is not the warren's telling That'll be next week. We'll have that back up. So in respect of these people that did lose their lives, I figured that wasn't needed for this episode. Yeah. All right. Let me, uh, well, can we give a bullshit meter for Ronnie though? <laughs> we'll add it on next episode. Cause it'll yeah. come up with all the questions. Yeah. And this episode, we bust a myth. Oh. Would it be Adam Savage? Cause you look more like Jamie with that hat on and we're going to do some <laughs> myth busting. And I have Is that the one with the big mustache. Yep. That right. Okay. Gotcha. I have okay. cement proof. So okay. we'll get into it. All right, guys. The DeFeo murders. 
on the night of November 13, 1974, in the quiet town of Amityville, a young man rushed into Henry's bar shaking and visibly upset. He frantically started screaming, You've got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. His name was Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. After he screamed this at the bar, a small group of individual, individuals sped away in a car to a few blocks down the street to 112 Ocean Avenue. What they found when they arrived would change Amityville, Long Island forever. And that still holds today. Mm-hmm. I mean, because me and you have tactics for certain things coming up, and there's yeah. reasons for that. And I get it, but I don't get it, because me, I like to use what we have. Yeah. That's what Vegas did. Vegas is like, fuck yeah. it, people want to sin, come on down. And it's yeah. done now, a luscious big, for that. How big Amityville, is that like a small town? Very small town. Yeah, okay. Very small town. Uh, 1974. So for the last 49 years, they've dealt with this fascination. All right, so the group running down the road include Ronald DeFeo and his friend Joe Yeswit found that DeFeo's parents were dead inside the house. Joe Yeswit then made an emergency call to 911, and we have that call here. We hunted for an audio version, but it seems there isn't one. I haven't been able to find one on any podcast or any YouTube mm. video or anything. Here's a call that Joe Yeswit made to 911. All right, so you want to play the operator? Absolutely. Let's I, do it. Now, let me uh, brush off the old 911. Oh, yeah, I bro. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let me know when you're ready. All right. All right. Suffolk County Police, may I help you? Huh? This is Suffolk County Police, may I help you? We have a shooting here, uh, DeFeo. Sir, what is your name? Joey Yeswit. Can you spell that? Yeah, Y-E-S-W-I-T. Y-E-S-W... Huh? Y-E-S... Yeswit. W-I-T, your phone number? I don't even know if it's here. There's a, I, I don't have a phone number here. Okay, where are you calling from? It's in Amityville. Call up to Amityville Police, and it's right off uh, Ocean Avenue in Amityville. Austin? Ocean Avenue. What the fuck? Ocean Avenue off of where? It's right off of Merrick Road. Ocean Avenue. Merrick Road? What's, what's the problem, sir? It's a shooting! There's a shooting? Anybody hurt? Huh? Anybody hurt? Yeah, it's uh uh everybody's dead. What do you mean everybody's dead? I don't know what happened. Kid came running in the bar. He said everyone in the family was killed, and we came down here. Hold on a second, sir. And then police officer now takes the call. Hello. Hello. What's your name? <laughs> I love the voice change, bro. I I got a different character. <laughs> My name is Joe Yeswit. George Edwards? Joe Yeswit. How do you spell it? How many fucking times do I have to tell you? Y-E-S-W-I-T. Where are you at? I'm on Ocean Avenue. What number? I don't have a number here. There's no number on the phone. What number on the house? I don't even know that. Where are you at? Ocean Avenue and what? In Amityville. Call up the Amityville police and have someone come down here. They know the family. Amityville? Yeah, Amityville. Okay, now, tell me what's wrong. I don't know. Guy came running into a bar. Guy came running in the bar and said, there his mother and father are shot. We ran down to his house, and everybody in the house is shot. I don't know how long, you know, so, uh. 
Uh, what's the ad? What's the address of the house? Uh, uh, hold on. Let me go look up the number. All right, hold on. Hello. Yes. One twelve Ocean Avenue, Amityville. One what? One twelve Ocean Avenue, Amityville. Is that Amityville or North Amityville? Amityville, right on South America Road. Is it right in the village limits? No, it's uh, you know where the high school is. Yeah. It's in the village limit, yes. Yeah, that's the village limits, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, what's your phone number? I don't have one. There's no number on the phone. All right, where are you calling from? Public phone? No, I'm calling right from the house because I don't see a number on the phone. You're at the house itself? Yes. How many bodies are there? I think, uh, I don't know. I think they said four. There's four? Yeah. Yeah. All right, you stay right there at the house, and I'll call the Amityville Village PD, and they'll come down. Okay. All I right. Should have had like a should have had like a car in the yard. Uh, no, I think we did good <laughs> enough. That Jesus, I, that was a shit show, man. They, they must have really bad reception. Apparently, I mean, it is seventy four. Yeah. All right. So before we hit the crime scene head on, let's get to know the the Fayo family as much as we can. We have Ronald Joseph Big Ronnie DeFeo Sr. was born on November 16, 1930, to parents Rocco and Antoinette DeFeo. When he was younger, Big Ronnie was slender, handsome, and had a powerful gaze reminiscent of Rudolph Valentino's. With his suave looks, he was able to attract the attention of Louise Marie Brigante after a brief courtship. Big Ronnie and Louise got married. Since the Brigantes disappeared of Big Ronnie, they caught all ties with the newlyweds until September 26, 1951, when Ronald Joseph DeFeo Jr., Butch, was born. Growing up, Butch DeFeo had it hard. Because Butch was the firstborn and a boy, his father expected more from him. And Big Ronnie was not afraid to discipline Butch in the cruelest fashion. One minute he would hug his son, the next minute he would throw him across the room. On a... <laughs> I always tease my kids. I'm gonna put you through the fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, big Jared. Yeah. <laughs> October twenty-fourth, nineteen sixty-five, Big Ronnie was blessed with a third son, John Matthew DeFeo. By this time the family had moved from their Brooklyn apartment to the affluent Long Island South Shore community of Amityville. Only for many, it was a mystery how Big Ronnie could afford such a lavish home on a car dealer's service manager's salary. The answer was easy. His father-in-law, Michael Brigante Sr., in the early 70s. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. the father-in-law bought the house. Yeah, yeah. In the early 1970s, Big Ronnie decided that he wanted a series of life-size portraits created to immortalize his family. So once more, Big Ronnie's father-in-law, Michael Brigante Sr., picked up the tab, which was an estimated to be at least $50,000 for... How the did he pay for those? Ah... Uh... And I want to know where those portraits are. Right. Yeah. So real quick, just uh, in the notes, it was a little confusing because it kind of went over the birth of the daughters. But I wonder if he treated... No, we um, haven't talked to the daughters yet. Well, yeah. When you were talking, like, they went to, like... in 19... A third kid, yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if he treated... Now, did he treat John Matthew? Not um, a lot to be found with that. I looked. Like, if he was as bad to, like, the younger kids as he was to... I don't. Ronnie. I don't think so. Okay. From everything I can find, no. Okay. But that's one thing we can't prove. So we're just gonna. Right. 
Yeah. In the events leading up to his death, one such incident involved Butch Jr. pointing a loaded gun to his father's head, pulling the trigger, and it did not go off. Then we have Luis DeFeo, born on November 3rd, 1931, the Michael and Angela Brigante. Luis was wanted, wanted, had wanted to pursue a modeling career. She was beautiful, beautiful enough to hobnob with the best, including legendary singer Mel Torme. After a brief courtmanship, courtmanship, why do I keep fucking say that? <laughs> Big Ronnie and Luis got married since the, oh, we already went over that. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to dig in a little bit into the Ronnie DeFeo. Wow, this is all the same shit. Yeah. All right, so Luis's brother, Michael Brigante Jr., would later testify at the DeFeo trial about an incident he witnessed when Butch was two years old. He said, we were all sitting down in the basement watching TV, and I don't know, the boy had done something. All of a sudden, he stood up, the father, and just pushed the boy this way into the wall. The boy banged his head or part of his shoulder or something. So he was constantly getting thrown into shit. Yeah. As a child, Butch was extremely overweight and would remain so until his late teenage years when he began using amphetamines. Butch's school life suffered because of his weight problem. Bigger kids would often make fun of him, calling him names like The Blob, Bucky Beaver, and Porkchop. I got called Bucky Beaver. Did you? Yeah, because I had buck teeth Uh, when I was younger. Butch was not not an only child for long. On July 29th, 1956, Louise gave birth to a daughter, Dawn Teresa DeFeo. So now we have the kids. We have Dawn, we have Butch DeFeo, who's 23, Dawn Teresa DeFeo at 18, Allison Louise DeFeo at 13, Mark Gregory DeFeo, 12, and John Matthew DeFeo is 9. Wow, so if they were still alive today, they'd be like in their early 60s, John Matthew being like late 50s. Yep. Just makes you wonder, you know. So now that we had a look into the DeFeo life, and like I said, I've heard, you can watch the 14,000 documentaries out there, but no one really knows. No. Because unless you were there in person, you don't know how abusive this guy was, how non-abusive this guy was. Now, are any, like, so we, I, they talked about Louise's brother testified. I wonder, I wonder if we, I mean, know if they've ever done any interviews after the fact or like mm. cousins or something. No, I haven't found shit. Mm. And I've watched a plenty. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So, what Butch and Yeswit found at 112 Ocean Avenue was that Ronnie Jr.'s entire family had been murdered. Everyone still face down from sleeping. There is zero evidence I've been able to found that anyone had left their bed at the time of the murders. And I've looked, and I've looked, and I've looked, and I've looked, and there's nothing. So, we have an article here about what transpired. DeFeo initially claimed to the police that the murders had likely been a mob hit, and his act was apparently so convincing that he was taken to a local station for protection. But it did not take long for cracks to form in his story, By the next day, he had already confessed to killing his family himself. All of the victims had been shot with a 35 caliber lever action Marlin 336C rifle at around 3.15 in the morning of that day. The Fayou's parents had both been shot twice, while the children had all been killed with single shots. So that's 
eight shots. Luis DeFeo and her daughter Allison were reportedly the only victims who were awakened by the gunfire at the time of their deaths, but they never got out of bed. But according to Suffolk County Police, the victims were all found laying on their stomachs in bed. The DeFeo family had occupied 112 Ocean Avenue since purchasing it in 1965, so they were there for nine years. The murdered members of the DeFeo family are buried in nearby St. Charles Cemetery in Farmingdale. All right, so, so I actually forgot quick, I have a ton of pictures. So okay. make your point first, and we'll go through them. So how did they know they were awakened? Are they believing this is something Ronnie told them? Maybe, but all okay. evidence shows... I'm not going to show the crime scene pictures except for one, so guys, feel free to Google that, because YouTube will just throw it out. Um, yeah. Ronnie's dad didn't have blankets on. His mom did. Hmm. All the kids had blankets on. So unless he put the blankets on over after. Yeah. But blood would tell that tale. And there was no blood on the blankets? No, not that I could see. All right, but here is Ronald Jr. and Sr. That dad's a big guy. All right. Oh, darn it. My thing froze. I can't see. Darn it. Then we have Louise DeFeo. This is from those world-famous $50,000 portraits. And I, I call bullshit on him looking like a uh, Rudolph Valentino. <laughs> Maybe back in the day. Who knows? People change. Then we have yeah. Dawn DeFeo, the oldest daughter. Then we have Allison DeFeo, which looks just like her older sister. <laughs> and then we have Mark DeFeo. And then, interesting enough, John DeFeo. Remember that picture, guys. All right, so here's the second floor of where they found the bodies. We have Ronald DeFeo, Louise DeFeo in the bedroom, all on their stomachs. In the next room, we have Allison DeFeo, right in the same vicinity, mm -hmm. John DeFeo, Mark DeFeo. Now, you're talking... How thick is a door? Maybe four inches thick? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty thick, too. I'd say about two inches thick a door. A bedroom door. Mm -hmm. Two inches thick. All right. So here is the third floor, which Dawn DeFeo met her demise in. Kind of looks like she's sleeping right there, right? Yeah. Leg up on the pillow. Okay. So there's that. Here's a photo of the whole kids together. Nice little happy family picture. And then here is some of the bodies coming out. Just look how creepy the fucking house looks in these pictures, too. Yeah, yeah. and it looks it's weird how it looks black, but it's yeah. not. Mm -hmm. yeah. Here's another bag coming down. I'd imagine that's one of the children because they were able to just yeah. you know, carry that. Um, Then another one here. Taking her. I mean, th there's no way they had enough ambulances. Or, yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Oh, what is going on now? There we go. There we go. And now, here's a look at their funeral. It's creepy as shit looking at all those caskets in a row. Yeah. It's like uh, almost like 
when uh, soldiers come back from war. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. yeah. And here's a view from the inside the church with all the caskets coming down the aisle. Wow. Sad stuff. Very sad stuff. And here's a picture of their tombstone. Oh. You can see um, his parents, or yeah, his parents from Rockham and Antoinette are buried there too. Um, okay. All right. So here's the murder weapon. This is still, as far as I know, in Amityville. Really? Yes, I believe it's still hmm. in the police station. Wow. Now, we're going to play a little video. This is not a quiet gun. This is not a gun you can even really silence. And they've already tested for silencer, and no silence was attached. So let's let's hear how loud this fucking thing is. Alright, so you heard that echo afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. This gun was fired in an open field. Oh, wow. Well, okay. I want you to imagine that gun being fired in a sealed room. That's a house, yeah. Now, was it raining or thundering that night? You no. Know? If you look at okay. all the pictures of the bodies coming out, no. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, because, I mean, because in the movie, in the Annieville horror movie, I think it, it's raining that night. If I do recall, yeah. mm-hmm. so I was wondering if, like, maybe he would use the thunder, the sound of thunder, to quiet the gun. Yeah, but then you'd have long pauses between kills, and then you would true. have people get out of bed. Yeah, yeah, true. All right, so like I said, we're gonna leave everything to next episode. So right, what you guys <laughs> think? <laughs> Ronald DeFeo Jr. was the oldest son of the family he was taken to the local police station for his own protection after suggesting to police officers at the scene of the crime that the killings had been carried out by a mob hitman named louis fellini however an interview with defeo at the station soon exposed some serious inconsistencies in his version of events and the following day he confessed to carrying out the killings himself he told detectives once i started i just couldn't stop it went so fast DeFeo admitted that he had taken a bath, redressed, and discarded crucial evidence like blood-stained clothes, the Marlin rifle, and cartridges on his way to work as usual. Remember that line. Mm -hmm. DeFeo's trial began on October 14, 1975. He and his defense lawyer, William Weber, (laughs) mounted an affirmative defense of insanity with DeFeo claiming that voices in his head had urged him to carry out the killings. The insanity plea was supported by the psychiatrist for the defense, Dr. David Schwartz. The psychiatrist for the prosecution, Dr. Harold Zolan, maintained that although DeFeo was an abuser of heroin and LSD, he had antisocial personality disorder and was aware of his actions at the time of the crime. Excuse me. Ah, Quick little sip here. 
On November 21st, 1975, DeFeo was found guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. On December 4th, 1975, Judge Thomas Stark sentences Robert DeFeo Jr. to six consecutive life sentences of 25 years to life. Well, this is old, says DeVeo. Is current. DeVeo was held at Greenhaven Correctional Facility in Beekman, New York. He has then passed away. Controversies, controversies surrounding the case. Now, this is where this shit gets interesting. All six of the victims were found laying face down in their beds with no sign of struggle or sedatives having been administered, leading to speculation that someone in the house should have been awakened by the noise of the gunshots. Neighbors did not report hearing any gunshots being fired. And the house, the houses are kind of close to each other. It's like very close. They're like, it makes it look like it's a little farther away, which they are at the Tom's river location. But in Amityville, it's, you can barely fit a car sideways between the houses. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and Certain people have said you can hear this gun from miles. And going by that echo, I would not be surprised. Yeah. And I, I, I had people in fucking Amityville message boards saying, well, there was on the lake and it sound doesn't care. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're telling me that fucking gun in that fucking house and no one's hearing it? Yeah. They all heard the dog barking. Which is louder, sir? Which is louder? All right. Neighbors did not report hearing any gunshots being fired. The police investigation concluded that the victim had been as all victims had been asleep at the time of the murders and that the rifle had not been fitted with a suppressor, which they could tell by the slugs they took out. Police officers and the medical examiner who attended the scene were initially puzzled by the rapidity, rapidity and scale of the killings and considered the possibility that more than one person had been responsible for the crime. During his time in jail, Ronald DeFeo has given several accounts of how the killings were carried out, all of them inconsistent, except if you're Rick Asuna. <laughs> in a 1986 interview, he claimed that his mother was responsible for the shootings, which was dismissed as preposterous by a former Suffolk County official. And if you want to take bright in that... That's the first time I've heard of that one. Yeah, you can find the mother's um, crime scene online. She's tucked in and shot through the blanket. So, okay. What would the what would be the motive for the mom? I I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah, I, there are reports that she was beating the shit out of, and they have broken up mo- multiple times. Mm. So, like, it's not plausible. But what would Chris Rock say? I understand. <laughs> All right. So on November thirtieth, year two thousand. Ronald DeFeo met with Rick Asuna, the author of The Night the DeFeos Died, which was published in 22. According to Asuna, DeFeo claimed that he committed the murders with his sister Dawn and two unnamed friends out of desperation. He claimed that after a furious row with his father, he and his sister planned to kill their parents and that Dawn murdered the children in order to eliminate them as witnesses. He said that he was enraged on discovering his sister's actions, knocked her unconscious onto the bed, and shot her in the head. It had been reported that during the original police investigation, traces of gunpowder were found on Dawn's nightgown, indicating that she might have discharged a firearm. Here's your gangbusters. If you're shot, 
from six feet and out, the odds of you having gunpowder on you are remote. This mm-hmm. would take place. He was shot easily less than six feet with a high-powered rifle. She and everyone else would have gunpowder on them. You can find that only here. I've asked three different experts. Hmm. So it would not be out of normal for Don DeFeo and others to have unburned gunshot powder, gunpowder on her. Like if it was a normal rifle killing, like if I took out South Jersey Jason from across the street, he's probably not going to have gunpowder on him. If it's close, there's a good chance you have gunpowder on him. Mm-hmm. All right. So this line of inquiry was not pursued after Ronald DeFeo's confession. Attempts to contact the two alleged accomplices have failed since one died in 2001 and the other is said to have entered a witness protection program. Ronald DeFeo Jr. had a stormy relationship with his father, but why he killed the entire family remains unclear. The prosecution at his trial suggested that the motive for the mirrors were to collect on the life insurance policies of his parents. Kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Another Don DeFeo issue and accomplice issue, that last documentary we watched, mm-hmm. we saw the picture of the gun and the clothes and all eight casings from the same gun in the sewer drain. I have yeah. not been able to find that picture. Mm. So I looked for it up and down for three fucking hours. I looked for this picture because that picture right there proves everything in Rick Asuna's book. You should just wipe your ass with it. <laughs> right? Like you're, yeah, you're yeah. going to fucking believe an LSD guy when he has all the fucking casings. What they just, they, they have the same rifle. And they drop the bullets down the fucking stairs to kill the next two? What goes in your fucking head? Yeah. All right. I'm having so much fun. (laughs) Joe Nickel notes that given the frequency with which Ronald DeFeo has changed his story over the years, any new claims from him regarding the events that took place on the night of the murder should be approached with caution. In a letter to the radio show host, Lou Gentile, DeFeo has denied giving Rick Asuna information that he could be used in the book. (sighs) Rick Asuna's book, as of summer 2010, is being adapted into a docudrama entitled Shattered Hopes, The True Story of the Amityville Murders. The film, written and directed and produced by Ryan Katzenbach and featuring narration by veteran actor Ed Anser, examines all aspects of the Amityville case with strong focus on the DeFeo family and the events surrounding the murders. Did that ever come out? I don't remember seeing it. Mm, okay. In an interview for Newsday, Ronald DeFeo Jr., after claiming that a sister killed their father, then their distraught mother killed the sister before DeFeo Jr. killed his mother, he stated that he was in fear of his mother's father, Michael Brigante Sr., and his father's uncle. His father's uncle was Pete DeFeo. He was a capo in the Genovese crime family. So there are mob ties. Mm-hmm. And they were worried about Ronnie getting locked up because Ronnie did work at the dealership. But to say this was a mob hit is preposterous because A, he's a capo. You're not taking out the capo's family and grandchildren and granduncle or nieces. Yeah. It's just not done that way. And no fucking guy is getting out of his Cadillac with a fucking 36 Marlin. This right. would have been handled, done, 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 and you might not even find the fucking bodies. 
if it was done yeah. the way they did that shit. So, yes, mob ties. Mob hit, absolutely fucking not. Ronald DeFeo killed his entire family. There is full-on evidence of this. This podcast is not trying to take the fault off of Ronnie DeFeo. We are simply asking why and how. There's still so many questions, like the questions we brought up now. So, here's some of my questions. Some other stories and about how and why. All six of the victims were found face down in their beds with no sign of struggle. Oh, I do have John DeFeo's crime scene photo. Now, if he had shot her and placed her in the bed, there'd be blood all over, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Because even if she was shot on the blankets, there'd be blood on the blankets. He'd have to move her, more blood, roll blood over. She was shot in the head. There isn't a single trace of blood on this entire blanket, right? Yeah. So that body was not moved. If that body was moved, there'd be blood somewhere. Yeah, and it wouldn't... If the body was moved, like the way she's tucked in, too... She's sleeping. Yeah. That's how yeah. I sleep. Yeah. Yep. So I'm only showing this crime scene photo because there's no blood shown. Which, in fact... Supports 100% of what I've always said. Don DeFeo had nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. You can find all the other crime scenes. YouTube doesn't like that shit, so I left it out. All right, so all six of the victims were face down. The police had not been silenced and found no evidence of sedatives being administered. DeFeo claimed during his inter- interrogation that he had dr- drugged his family. All fucking lies. So Rick Asuna wrote a book, made money off these fucking lies. I'm going to write a book. I'll just make shit up. So so someone, now with Rick Asuna, did someone like bring it to the media's attention that this book is full of lies? Or? No, they never do. Oh, uh, okay. That's how books work. I'm fucking seeing. Well, I just cause... remember like when Stephen Ambrose, um, who wrote Band of Brothers, was accused of plagiarism, like so. I thought maybe something happened sooner. Um, like I don't. I every time I hear the name, my fucking brain shuts off. Oops. So uh, like, yeah, it just makes me wonder. Like, okay, so they didn't ingest a sedative, and I mean, there are things that can be untraceable. What if he put something in the vents, like a like a smoke or something? LSD crackhead that can get a hold of. The... <laughs> but still, there'd be shit in the lungs. Yeah, true. Every they, they had full autopsies. There was nothing. DeFeo hmm. had a volatile relationship with his father, but the motives for killing remains unclear. He asked police what he had to do in order to collect on his father's life insurance. <laughs> the day after. Because wow. two days later, he confessed. So the day after, he's like, hey, uh, who do I call about this? So this idiot set off a smoke grenade? Come on now. <laughs> Which prompted the prosecution to suggest a trial that his motive was to collect on his life insurance. How much was the life insurance? Do you know? I want to say it was two hundred thousand. Um, back then it was a lot of money. So yeah. it was. You'd be all right. Yeah. I think that's close mm-hmm. to like a mil today. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, probably close. After his convention conviction, DeFeo gave several varying accounts on how the killings were carried out. In a 1986 interview with Newsday, DeFeo claimed his sister Dawn killed his father. 
He stated that he took the blame because he was afraid to say anything negative about his mother to her father. Uh, all right. Michael Brigante Sr. and his father's uncle out of fear that they would kill him. His father's uncle was Peter DeFeo, a capital regime in the Genovese crime family. In this interview, DeFeo also asserted he was married at the time of the murders to a woman named Geraldine Gates, with whom he was living in New Jersey, that his mother phoned to ask him to return to Amityville to break up a fight between Dawn and their father. Subsequently, he drove to Amityville with Geraldine's brother, Richard Ramoto, who was with him at the time of the murders and can verify his story completely. So was that verified or? It says no. <laughs> it doesn't say anything else about that. Yeah. So maybe he had someone call. Maybe it was pre-planned. Yeah. In 1990, DeFeo filed a 440 motion, a proceeding to have his conviction vacated. In support of his motion, DeFeo asserted that Dawn and an unknown assailant who fled the house before he could get a good look at him killed their parents and Dawn subsequently killed their siblings. He said the only person he killed was Dawn and that it was by accident as they struggled over the rifle. Again, he asserted he was married to Geraldine and that her brother was with him at the time of the murders. An affidavit from Richard Ramondo was submitted to the court and it was asserted he could not be located to testify in person. Hmm. Evidence was submitted to the court by the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office suggesting that Richard Ramondo did not exist and that Geraldine Gates was living in upstate New York, married to someone else at the time of the murders. So there's your conviction. <clears throat> yeah. Geraldine Gates did not testify at this hearing because the authorities had already confronted her about the false claims and in 1992 secured a statement under oath where she admitted Ramondo was fictitious and that she did not actually marry DeFeo until 1989 in anticipation of the filing of the 440 motion. So he married this girl to get her to lie for it. Right. Yeah, it's dumb bag. Judge Stark denied the motion, writing, I find the testimony of the defendant overall to be false and fabricated. His testimony that during the trial fall of 1974, he was married and lived with his wife and child at Long Branch, New Jersey, is incredible and not, worth of, not worthy of belief. He produced no corroborating evidence in this regard. Another reason for my disbelief of defendant's testimony is demonstrating by consideration of several portions of the trial testimony. He signed a lengthy written statement describing in detail his activities. In this statement, he said that he lived with his family at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, and that he worked for his father, that he usually went to and from work with his father, that he was ill and stayed home from work on November 12, 1974, the day before that he was on probation for having stolen an, on, an outboard engine and had an appointment to see his probation officer in Amityville on that very afternoon. The defendant's girlfriend, Mindy Wise, testified that she began dating the defendant in June of 74 and was with him frequently that summer and fall. Stark further declared defendant's testimony that he did not shoot and kill the members of his family. He is likewise incredible and not worthy of belief. So he was dating this chick... And then all of a sudden he was with a wife and kid in New Jersey that same fucking mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Oh my God. How much fucking mm -hmm. meth did this guy do? <laughs> On November 30th, 2000, DeFeo met with Asuna. According to Asuna, they spoke for about six hours. However, in a later to the radio show host, DeFeo denied giving Rick Asuna information that could be used in his book, claiming that he immediately left the interview and did not speak to Asuna about anything substantial. Hmm. 
So did Asuna make this whole fucking thing up? Mm, yeah. Because even if Ronnie had the lie, why would he fucking care if Asuna made a book or not? Right, right. <clears throat> According to Asuna, the Feo claim... Oh, he, 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 he cared because Asuna's making money off it, and he can't. Well, even if it's not Asuna or anyone else, he couldn't make money. He tried. Right, yeah. He tried with William Weber. William Weber thought right. he could. William Weber's a right. fucking lawyer. How the fuck right. do you not yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. According to Asuna, DeFeo claimed that he had committed the murders with his sister and two friends, Augie DeGennaro and Bobby Kelsky, out of desperation because his parents had plotted to kill him. Allegedly, DeFeo claimed that after a furious row with his father, he and his sister planned to kill the parents that Dawn murdered the children to eliminate those witnesses. He said he was enraged. So it's the same fucking story over and Mm -hmm. over again. However, however, at trial, the ballistics expert Alfred Della Pena testified that unburned gunpowder is discharged through the muzzle of a weapon, indicating that she was in proximity to the muzzle of the weapon when it was discharged, and that she fought not not that she fired the weapon. He reiterated this on an A and E Adamantville documentary that is extensively discussed and will Savies mentally ill in Amityville. <laughs> That's a funny fucking title. So, there's more evidence that... Mm-hmm. So, had an expert evaluate Della Pena's assessment, and the expert confirmed that he was correct. Moreover, the medical examiner found nothing to indicate that Dawn had been in a struggle. No shit. I'm, I'm, I'm a flat fucking kid from Jersey, and I can see she's sleeping in her bed. The, <laughs> the bullet wound was the only fresh mark on her body. So even if he knocked her out with a gun, she'd have a fucking... Yeah. Skeptic Joe Nickel notes that given the frequency for which DeFeo has changed the story over the years, any new claims from him regarding the events that took place on the night of the murders should be approached with caution. No shit. Uh, So these are just some questions. Constant fighting with his father, but why go as far as murdering the entire family? He didn't have to do that. Well, he was, you know, high on drugs, so he didn't know what he was doing. All right, so we're going to go high on drugs. Maybe, like, the LSD was making the kids look like demons, because remember, he said he was possessed or something, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we know Dawn wanted to move to Florida with her boyfriend. That was true. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we just proved that she was not the shooter. Was he haunted by a demon? A mob hit. Not a mob hit. Oh, all right. So after his confession, DeFeo's six-week trial focused primarily on why he carried out the murders. So he didn't really answer the whole thing. With DeFeo's court-appointed lawyer, William Weber, bounty an insanity defense, in 1992, DeFeo claimed Weber had pursued the insanity defense against his wishes and he'd done so to potentially drum up interest in possible book or film ideals. Yeah, so William Weber's just a piece of shit. Well, William Weber gave me no choice. DeFeo told the Times, he told me I had to do this. He told me there would be a lot of money from book rights and a movie. He would have me out in a couple years, and I would come into all that money. The whole thing was a con, except for the crime. Yeah, because he was involved in what Jay Answer did. Yeah. He wanted to write the Jay Answer book. 
But then yeah. he found out he would just get sued to shit because he was the defendant. Right, right. So talk about like um, lawyer client <sighs> confidentiality, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, guys, tell us what you guys think. Honestly, there's still. Your, what's your. The, I don't I don't know because yes drugs but how did no one hear that gunshot yeah how did no one wake up every neighbor heard the dog they uh, yeah. many neighbors came and said they heard the dog how were no gunshots hurt you know I wonder like man if there was a way of how technology is now that they could zoom the bodies and do more testing and maybe find something that technology couldn't in 1975 you won't because you know who did it so there'd be no reason to exhume other than yeah. me wanting to know more and they're not yeah. going to exhume for that just this yeah. is really fucking easy hand me that gun let me go in there i want to put a person in each house around let me find <laughs> no, 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 no. I want real people. I want to see if real people can hear. Like, I want to oh, do I real gotcha, text. I, gotcha. okay, gotcha, I want to put yeah. someone right outside. I want to put mm -hmm. someone down the block. I want to put someone in the house on the right, left, in bedrooms, because everyone was probably sleeping, and back there. And I just want to shoot that rifle into a ballistic shield eight times. And I want to hear who heard what. That's the ultimate test. If you can hear the bullets, something weird happened in Amityville. Right. Something that's still not explained. Hey, all I know is Ronald Defense, we'll cover this a little bit next episode. Ronnie Sr. got really freaked out when that gun did not go off in his head. Because Butch tried to kill Ronnie once before. Oh, yeah. Yep. So he got really religious. There's... Mm -hmm religious artifacts all around this house and he's told neighbors he has a demon on his back there were occult books found in this house i'm having a hard time i'm still looking this will be a continuing saga they don't know if it came from ronnie they don't know if it came from the lutz because george lutz we do know dabbled in not mm -hmm. really practicing but like learning like right. he was like more wiccan like more mm -hmm. bikeish more not pro god but pro spiritual he was he was right. part of that yeah. spiritual inspiration so there were occult findings in this house there's images of it i've seen it they were in the red room the red room's a closet guys relax but we don't know where they came from i have a feeling this started with Ronald DeFeo Sr. Because he was that fucked up in the head of they're almost dying. But why would he have a cult book to not like... Because he... Books, dude, so. this dude went to Rome to get a priest to come back and bless the fucking house. Mm. So, okay. who knows? Like, that, that's fucking crazy to do that. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll hear more about that from the Warren side of this. But <laughs> th that's, my big, that's my biggest question. I think something weird happened here. Whether a demon possessed Ronald DeFeo Jr. to shoot his family, I don't think so. Help cover up? Maybe. Because every bone in my body tells me, after the first two shots, 
guys, 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 because it was the 70s. Doors mm-hmm. were unlocked. This is Long yeah. Island. It's high influential. You know your neighbors. And they're going to come running or at least call the cops. The only 911 call came from that bar. Why? So, dear owners of the Amityville house, we're actually going to go into a little bit of history about the Amityville house that not a lot of people know. Okay. That's next week. But, um, guys, tell us what you think. Um, I, I, we explained everything down to the, every bullet in time, except how are they all in bed and why were none of the shots heard? Maybe the meth gave them super speed and, you know, still hear the shots. Eight, they found eight empty cartridges. Yeah. Doesn't matter yeah. how fast you did it. Yeah. Cause you'd still have people around the house, but when the cops pulled up, no one was around. Like people are fucking nosy. Like, if we hear sirens on this street, we see everyone outside. Yeah, you know, also, like, now, I believe in, like, mediums and everything, and if a medium went into the house, I'm sure the spirits have to be attached to that house, because, you know, they tragically died there, you know. There's there's not good energy there, that's for fucking sure. No, no. So I'm surprised, like, a spirit of one of the family members, like, didn't have a conversation with a legit medium, and because they could tell the story, you know? Yeah, but who knows? We'll see some evidence that some spirits may have lingered from this murder. Oh, yeah, like the the the, the, the boy in a doorway. Yeah, check out this picture. Does it look like a fully grown cameraman, or does it look like him? It looks like him. It does, yeah. I have a side-by-side for next episode. But it looks like him. Not a fucking fully grown cameraman. If he's The fully grown cameraman's four feet tall. Did you know that? Well, maybe he was on his knees. Why the fuck is he on his knees peeking out of a door? Maybe he's taking pictures at a low angle. He didn't have a fucking camera <laughs> in his hand. True. I'm just saying. Maybe I'm he scoping out a scene. This is the only Warren file I truly fucking actual think. I'm not fully believe. But there's some credibility too. Because until someone lets me fire a fucking rifle where someone more famous than me gets to go test this. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be the shit if like say the current owner sold the house to like Zach Baggins? Oh, I don't even care who. <laughs> Sell it to Rick Asuna. I'll talk him into doing the fucking or test. Tony Tony Sparrow. That's fine. I could I could talk to those guys. Like, listen. This is what yeah. we need to do. But after the Lutzes ran, that was the only and last time any paranormal research was done at this house. I wonder if there's going to be like any type of memorial celebration for the 50 years. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, speak. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, but for real, I want you guys to flood the comments. Tell us what you think. You might have a couple days after this post before we record. Yeah, because I'll be in Detroit. So we'll have a couple oh, days. Oh, shit. You going, you going to Robocop's town? Yeah, fuck. The, I'm going to Ann Arbor, <laughs> right, right to the left of Detroit. Okay. But, uh, guys, this is the DeFeo murders, step one. Next week may turn into the two parter. There's a lot of mm. shit. Nice. We'll see what the timing looks like. 
Okay. Because this right now took us to 107. Okay. But, uh, guys, Howler's Hatchet House, Night of Terror. We're going to have the website up there so you can buy your tickets now. The one and only South Jersey Jason making his haunt appearance. So that's going to be a good time. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be talking about that a lot tomorrow oh, yeah. over some delicious ribs. I'll take pictures mm. for next week so we have them. <laughs> All right, guys. But this has been the Horror Show Podcast. Like, subscribe. We come out every Monday. Next week, it's the Lutz and the Paranormal Investigation in the 112 Ocean Avenue. We'll see you next Monday. Halloween Hunt 365 Productions.